This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, November 23rd. I'm Robert Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, Rob talks with Reverend Samuel Rodriguez about his new book, From Survive to Thrive, Live a Holy, Healed, Healthy, Happy, Humble, Hungry, and honoring life. Rodriguez offers some practical tools for how we can find hope amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. We also share your letters to the editor and a good news story about a generous young man who is using his dog treat business to fight canine cancer. Before we get to today's show, we want to tell you about another great Heritage Foundation podcast. We're headed into the holiday season, and in all likelihood, that means some long car trips to visit family and friends. And podcasts are the perfect way to stay entertained on those long drives. So look no further than Heritage Explains. The Heritage Explains podcast episodes are quick and easy to listen to because they break down complex policy issues using stories, clips, and expert analysis. Some of our recent Heritage Explains episodes break down the dangers of critical race theory, the 2020 presidential election, and the threat North Korea poses to the free world. You can find all the latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We even put the full episode on YouTube. Now stay tuned for today's show, coming up next. We are joined on the Daily Signal podcast today by Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. He's president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference and the author of a new book called From Survive to Thrive. Reverend Rodriguez, it's great to welcome you back to the Daily Signal podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, your new book is out at a time when millions of people are struggling from COVID-19. Uh, this pandemic has wreaked havoc on so many people across the globe, uh, some who may have contracted the virus, others who have lost loved ones from it. Your book, From Survive to Thrive, offers a message of hope for overcoming some of the challenges that we face in life today. Can you tell us more about it? Oh, without a doubt. It's a biblically substantiated prescription for these troubled times. In full disclosure, uh, a great impetus in writing the book emerged out of an experience within our family regarding COVID-19. My 29-year-old daughter, uh, after giving birth to my wonderful Camila, um, my, my granddaughter, um, ended up with COVID-19, first week of July. Uh, and because her immune system was suppressed, Unfortunately, my daughter ended up in critical condition in the ICU uh, with the help of a ventilator to breathe. We've never been down this road before. So um, praise be God, uh, prayers work, they really do. Uh, And my daughter is now completely healed and fine, but it served as a motivating factor on pushing back on the idea of a perpetual survival mode. The idea is to remove the lid of despair, angst, consternation, anxiety, depression. How do we remove the lids that, that somehow quench, deter, obstruct the fullness of peace or joy in our respective lives? That's why we wrote the book, Survive to Thrive. And it's a personal testimony of our journey, but again, a biblically substantiated prescription for these very troubled and unique times indeed. Well, Reverend Rodriguez, I, I love how you organize the book. Each chapter uh, from Survive to Thrive has practical steps that, uh, that readers can take. Uh, things like, and t- titles, uh, chapter titles like Holy Quarantine, a Reboot, Recharge, Restart, 
humble pie, serve before you slice. And the one I like best, alive to thrive, refuse to settle for less than God's best. Uh, what do you want your readers to take away from the book as they go through it? Every single person on the planet as we speak today, they can find themselves in one of the following three respective categories, without a doubt. Every single person is either failing, surviving, or thriving. Every individual, you're either failing, surviving, or thriving. If I were to engage a biblical narrative as a metaphor, every single person is either in Egypt, the desert, or the promised land. And many people, unfortunately, never truly enter the promised land, a life where they are living to their fullest, where all their God-given abilities and giftings are in full activation and manifestation, where you're changing the world around you for the greater good. We, very few people ever reach that point. Many people somehow end up in the desert of perpetual survival mode. Some people end up in the desert of perpetual victimization. And we permit our past, our circumstances, in perpetuity to define us. I want this book to give you the biblically substantiated Christ-centered prescription to remove the lid, to remove the lid that stops you from living a John 10, 10 latter portion of the, of the verse, an abundant life in Christ, not just in eternity, but on this side of eternity. So hopefully and prayerfully, the reader will obtain it and understand that there are lids. Some of them are self-imposed. Some of them are placed on us by life itself. The moment we remove the lid, we live life without a lid and we change the world around us. And as you and your family went through this personal experience with COVID-19, what was your message to them? Uh, how did you, how did, obviously that sounds like I had no idea that, uh, that your daughter was in, was in critical condition, but it, there, there must have been times when, when your family itself was, was struggling and asking questions. Uh, what was your message of hope to them? The message of hope was one that said, listen, in our journey, even in our faith journey, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, there's a false gospel teaching out there. It's completely false. That teaches that as Christians, we will not suffer pain and we should not be suffering pain. That's just totally outrageous. Uh, no, there is suffering on this side of eternity. We go through things, be it infirmity, be it uh, economic malaise, be it unrest, be it relational issues. We go through things. But the guarantee in scripture, you asked about what message did I convey? It was the message of the apostle Paul to those in, in the book of Romans. All things work together for the good of those who believe. They really do. He makes all things. He meaning God makes all things work together. Even the most difficult moments. One of my favorite passages in scripture. One of my favorite passages is the fact that Psalm 65, 11, he will crown the year with a bountiful harvest. And even your hard pathways of difficulties will overflow with abundance. That's God's promise. And that's the message I conveyed to my family in a very difficult time indeed. And Reverend Rodriguez, what can we as Christians do to help those who may have lost faith or, or blame God for, for the suffering from this pandemic? Do you have advice for our listeners and the things that they can do in their own personal lives? Right. We, 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 do, we as human beings, it's natural to play the blame game. And we usually blame uh, three groups of individuals. We, we blame others. We blame the enemy. There's a lot of the devil did it. There are things that the enemy could probably sue us for defamation of character that he probably said, I never had anything to do with that. But there are things that he's responsible for. And then sometimes we blame God. At the end of the day, we should sway away from the blame and just recognize 
that in life we will go through trials and tribulations. There are moments of angst. There are pandemics. But in the midst of it all, there is a sovereign, mighty, loving, grace-filled, merciful God who loves us and who has a purpose for us that cannot and will not be denied. Again, the purpose of this book is to push people out of failure, out of perpetual survival mode, and equip them, biblically speaking, not just to live, but to thrive, and for each person to become a blessing. Let me give you one final example. People that are surviving pray like this. Lord, answer my prayer, and please bless me. Thrivers, this is how they pray. Lord, make me an answer to someone else's prayer, and make me a blessing to everyone I know. Radical transformation. It certainly is. Again, we're talking to the Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. Uh, the title of his book is From Survive to Thrive. Reverend Rodriguez, a follow-up question to that. Those parents out there or grandparents who have young children, what are some of the ways that you can help them understand what we're going through right now with this pandemic? And what's your advice to, to, to you know, maybe elementary or even high school age kids who are struggling? Yes, it's important for us to be able to contextualize this within a macro worldview that is biblically substantiated. Meaning, ladies and gentlemen, Dorothy, we may not be in Kansas anymore, but we've been in Kansas before. This is not the first pandemic. Throughout the course of human history, humanity has confronted a number of very serious diseases, pestilence, uh, illnesses, pandemics across the board, plagues actually, so many things. And yet here we are as humanity, we're still standing. God has a plan for his children, meaning us collectively, as a human race created in the image of God. That should be sort of the macro meta-narrative conveyed to children at the elementary level all the way to high school. Let not your heart be troubled. One day, you should even tell them, one day you're going to write about this or you're going to read about it. And people are going to reference 2020 and the season of COVID and the season of a pandemic. And what should you say? And you should say that we saw the grace of God, that we held on to faith, that we kept on loving and caring about others. That's what we took out of the COVID pandemic. That God is with us in the good times and in the bad times. The same God of the mountaintop is the same God of the valley. That should be the message conveyed. Thank you. That's, that's great advice. Uh, you and I had the pleasure of, of working together. I really, truly feel blessed to have worked with so many talented people earlier this year with the Heritage Foundation's National Coronavirus Recovery Commission. What did that experience teach you about the virus and how we could successfully recover from it? Oh, without a doubt. And to me, it's one of the highlights of this year and, and maybe my lifetime, uh, just working with you, the entire team. What a blessing indeed. Again, we could be, let me use biblical terms, forgive me, I'm a pastor. We could be both prophetic and practical. We don't have to be either or. And we could occupy that space of common sense of reason and faith. A little Thomas Aquinas there, faith and reason. We can be both and. Because the, the virus, as I alluded to previously, is real. My family was personally impacted by this virus. Uh, so it is real. We could be practical. We can take every single measure, personally speaking, take that personal onus and responsibility to protect the most vulnerable amongst us. At the same time, simultaneously, not to get political, but to be very affirming to our current reality, maybe to push back on some of the most restrictive measures, there is mental health. There is mental health. There is community health. There is health for especially communities that are impacted egregiously by the lockdowns. I have seen uh, a very measurable uptake in the communities that we serve regarding the child abuse, domestic abuse, depression at the highest numbers we have ever seen. The call out for help 
alcohol abuse, drug abuse, all because of the restrictive lockdowns. And sometimes the remedy is actually more egregious than the actual disease itself. So I pray that we find a happy medium where we can both keep people safe, those that are most vulnerable amongst us in our various communities, while simultaneously living life to the fullest within the reality of our current day and age. And I don't think it should be either or, it should be both and. Thank you for raising that. I think that that is, uh, is something that is of great concern to, to so many people. And as we've seen the virus again have this, uh, the surge, we've seen more and more political leaders resort to lockdowns and other restrictive measures. And one of the areas where you've been outspoken and, and served as a leader is in terms of how religious organizations or churches uh, can continue uh, to, to spread the, the good news and, uh, and interact with their, their congregations. What are some of the ways that you've seen churches in particular react and, and carry on that message uh, of, of God and, and Jesus in, in ways that uh, are doing so responsibly while at the same time being realistic about what we're facing? My smirk is, uh, is not uh, sarcastic. My smirk emerges out of my current reality in California. That's why I'm smirking. <laughs> um, my governmental authorities here, the powers that be in California have deemed through executive fiat and decrees while not necessarily living up to these decrees and fiats in their personal lives, lifestyles, and activities, uh, that churches are not essential. And it, it, it's not only troublesome, because churches are completely essential. Churches are doing an incredible job in ministering to the mental uh, angst right now, the spiritual angst. The spiritual well-being of, individual, of an individual is completely essential. It impacts the mental, emotional. It impacts even the family life of so many individuals, so many communities. So spirituality is essential, church is essential. Here's what I, one of my phrases, the, the governor recently, liquor stores continue to be open and can be uh, visited, of course. Churches have to be shut down. He shut down churches again. Uh, and my response was, in essence, you're telling me that Jack Daniels is essential, but Jesus Christ is not. Absolutely not, absolutely not. Listen, we're big boys and girls, we can do this. In our church, for example, we do temperature checking. We wear masks. We CDC distance by family. We do everything by the book. Everything by the book. Everything you do at Target and Walmart, at a liquor store, at a cannabis store here in California. So we do all of that. Uh, so you're telling me that I have to shut down. There is, without a sh and I, again, don't want to be political, but I find it to be discriminatory. Uh, I find it to be an act of discrimination, without a doubt when you identify a church and just de determine that churches are not essential elements within your state government apparatus. Unfortunately, it is the reality. I hope and pray churches will continue to shine the light of Christ, provide services, call up every individual, every church member, every family, especially the elderly and the most vulnerable in these difficult times. This is when people need to be connected to God and to each other by faith through Christ in hope that this will come to an end and it will. And, it, and on the other side of this unprecedented chapter, we will see a harvest. I couldn't agree more with you. I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, the church that our, our family has been attending for about 12 years has decided to go all virtual. And uh, starting in March, we, we would have 
uh, Sunday service over Zoom. And uh, in the beginning, certainly understood uh, some of the restrictions that were in place. We were still learning a lot about the virus. But as the months went on, I saw reluctance to go back to in-person services. So we've actually made the decision uh, to find another church where, where as cold as it is here in Virginia on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., uh, we take the family out so we can uh, we can celebrate uh, together. We can have the Holy Eucharist. And, and I think it, you're absolutely right. It is so meaningful uh, to be there in a safe environment outdoors um, where, where we can have, uh, have that service. And so I hope that other churches uh, think creatively about how to make this happen. I do think that there are, are measures in place. And it really, it really hurts me that when schools and churches are told that they can't open and you see bars and, and liquor stores uh, be permitted to continue doing their business, uh, it does send, I think, the entirely wrong message to, to the American people. It's incoherent. There's a lack of continuity. It's discriminatory because it's not equal application of the law, without a doubt. And again, in hindsight, when we revisit what took place from COVID-19 and what can we learn as Americans, to a great degree, we discovered that our God-given rights, our God-given rights, not the rights given to us by one another. This is not 1789 France. This is America. Our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, our founding fathers were wise enough to understand that our rights are given to us by God. These rights are in jeopardy. And for whatever reason, in times of a crisis, it seems that the government has the right to obstruct, to hinder, to quench, to stifle my God-given right. And that is not what the Constitution says. We need to build a firewall in the future. This cannot happen again. Our rights do not die in the face of a pandemic. They do not die. As a matter of fact, we need our rights more than ever in difficult times. We, we certainly do. Uh, I want to ask you one question about uh, the, the recently completed um, uh, presidential contest, which obviously we know is still being challenged in, in courtrooms and and states are still uh, debating certifications and having recounts. It's left a, a lot of Americans divided, uh, families maybe not talking to each other, neighbors no longer communicating. What is your message as we, as we move on from 2020 from a political standpoint and how perhaps we can come together and, and find uh, some common ground with our neighbors uh, in this time? Your political affiliation should never cancel your prophetic assignment. Your, your political affiliation should never cancel your family assignment. And your political affiliation should never cancel, let me speak to the Christians now, your Christian assignment. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love your Republican neighbor, your Democrat neighbor, your independent neighbor. Love the neighbor that voted for Trump and love the neighbor that voted for Biden. Love the neighbor that doesn't look like you and those that look like you. Just love your neighbor. That's what we're called to do. I am so committed not to advancing the agenda of the donkey or the elephant, but to elevating the agenda of the lamb who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is Jesus. So I have my values, I, and, I, and I both believe, advance, and hopefully try to convince others to align themselves with values that I do believe are biblically substantiated. Life, religious liberty, and biblical justice. Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice, truth and love. Can you imagine a government that operates like that? Righteousness and justice, truth and love. That would be just amazing. In the words of millennials, that would be fire. <laughs> so here it is. But I hope and pray that people come together for such a time as this. And I do believe that as Christians, we have a mandate to help somehow facilitate peacemakers, repairs of the breach, unity. Uh, a united church can heal a divided nation. 
A divided church can't do absolutely anything, but a united church can heal a divided nation. That's so true. Thank you. And, and finally, Reverend Rodriguez, are there any closing words you'd like to share with our listeners about the book, From Survive to Thrive, or anything else that you've been working on? We're living in very difficult times. I do believe that we're at the precipice of an amazing multi-ethnic, multi-generational movement in America, really. And we're going to see a movement that will reconcile Billy Graham's message of Dr. King's march. Get ready for that. It's going to be beautiful. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't drink the Kool-Aid of perpetual depression, angst, consternation, and that this thing is just in a slippery slope without any end whatsoever. There are individuals out there fully committed to being light in the midst of darkness. And every single time light stands next to darkness, light always wins. Reverend Sammy Rodriguez, uh, the book is called From Survive to Thrive. Encourage our listeners to pick up a copy. We appreciate uh, you joining us on The Daily Signal, and thanks for writing it. Uh, I couldn't come at a better time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm Amy Swearer. And I'm Giancarlo Canaparo. And if you want to understand what's happening at the Supreme Court, be sure to check out SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast. We take a look at the cases, the personalities, and the gossip at the highest court in the land. It's SCOTUS 101. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first? Roxanne Fritz writes, Dear Daily Signal, I live in an apartment community that is one of many in Maricopa County, Arizona. Our mailboxes are locked metal cubes for which each apartment owner has a key. My concern is that with six-month lease options, many pieces of old mail arrive in the box. I have received mail for three individuals who presumably once lived in my unit. This is an avenue for potential fraud if a person discovers the name of a registered voter and attempts to use it. And Nadra Enzi of New Orleans writes, Dear Daily Signal, after the exciting election day and predicted impasse, several good friends reached out and said they're worried about America. Me too. I'm worried because the two major parties have ceased being coalitions that merely use different methods to achieve the same goals. I told my friends that it looks like we're in a fight. Whether we like it or not, and regardless of the comfort level, continual confrontation waits in the wings. Hope that cooler heads prevail dimly remains. Sadly, cooler heads on the other side of the aisle are afraid of retaliation, too. Your letter can be featured on next week's show, so send us an email at letters at dailysignal.com. What the heck is trickle-down economics? Does the military really need a space force? What is the meaning of American exceptionalism? I'm Michelle Cordero. I'm Tim Desher, and every week on the Heritage Explains podcast, we break down a hot-button policy issue in the news at a 101 level. Through an entertaining mix of personal stories, media clips, music, and interviews, we help you actually understand the issues. So do this. Subscribe to Heritage Explains on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts today. Virginia, you have a good news story to share with us today. Over to you. Well, thanks so much, Rob, and thank you for passing this good news story along to me because, you know, every once in a while when reporting good news stories, you discover one that it just kind of makes you step back and reevaluate what is really important in life. And I think today is one of those stories. 
Connor Sten is a 10-year-old entrepreneur and a dog lover. Connor started his own small business baking and selling all-natural dog treats on Etsy two years ago and named the business Lily's Barkery after his dog, Lily. One day I came home from school and I asked my parents, can I start a cupcake business because I love cupcakes. My parents said, how about I can make some healthy things for our dogs. This holiday season, Connor is baking dog treats for Fetch a Cure, a nonprofit organization that works with vets and pet owners to further pet cancer awareness, education, and treatment. The treats are for the nonprofit's annual fundraising campaign called Holiday Bone Treats, designed to raise awareness about a specific type of canine cancer. Sponsors to the Fetch a Cure campaign will receive some of Connor's delicious homemade dog treats for their own pet. For Connor and his mom, Krista, supporting Fetch a Cure is more than just a nice thing to do. It's a way to give back and support the organization that helps save the life of their own pet, Lily. I was home um, petting her and noticed a mass on her left front leg. Um, got it checked out by the vet and found that she has soft tissue sarcoma. The oncologist that we were working with referred us to Fetch a Cure uh, for the possibility of applying for a grant to help her with her surgery. So we were lucky enough, uh, Fetch a Cure gave us a grant that paid for her surgery and she is now recovering from her, from her cancer. Of course, a grant for a pet's life-saving operation is significant for any animal lover, but for Krista and her son, Connor, it was a huge gift of hope this summer when they faced another cancer battle in their family. My husband, Connor's dad, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, a very rare, aggressive cancer at the end of June. And um, it was June 23rd. On June, July 3rd was when I saw them, found the mass on Lily's leg. And then my husband passed on July 9th. So emotionally, uh, we were having an incredibly difficult time. So the help that we received from the vet that took care of Lily, the help that we received from Fetch was invaluable. My heart just so goes out to Connor and his mom, Krista, for their loss this year. But I, I truly am blown away by their strength and hope as a family. They've had an incredibly hard year in an already really challenging time. And yet they're still taking the opportunity to give back by baking these dog treats for such a worthy cause. And uh, Rob, I know that this story is is personal to you because you know the Stan family quite well uh, and had the honor of knowing Connor's dad before he passed. I do and, and know their pets uh, well too. So thank you, Virginia, for sharing this this uplifting story about Connor and Krista. Coach Mike, as we as we know him, was my son Ben's baseball coach, uh, his first baseball coach in, in Little League uh, many years ago. And uh, we uh, got to know the family quite well. I, I coached alongside Mike and our families, uh, the kids went to the same school. So it was uh, obviously a shock to all of us when, when Mike got sick uh, this summer. And uh, 
it's just really uplifting to see that Connor is doing such a, a great, uh, great service here uh, in terms of these donations and and what he's been able to to overcome. So our thoughts and prayers are, are with the Sten family for sure. And uh, they'll always be cherished in our life. And uh, and we're grateful to have known such a such a wonderful man and Mike. Yeah, no, it just seems like an absolutely incredible family. And it is amazing to see a young man like Connor uh, really just be so, so driven and to continue, as he said, just running after running after his dreams. It's really incredible. That's so true. Well, Virginia, thanks again for bringing us that story today. We're going to leave it there for the Daily Signal podcast. You can find our podcast on the Ricochet Audio Network. All of our shows are available at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa flash briefing. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to other listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.